Hello, ladies and gents. We're back with another. It's not really another episode of the RLS podcast. It is more just a training that I'm I'm making for my clients in the current group. But I have a good feeling that I'm going to be posting this on the podcast at some point because I think it's it's something that a lot of people are kind of interested in, and it's a topic that people they're always looking to find out more about it. <clears throat> and it's recovery for athletes. Again, there will be a specific kind of um, focus on footballers, but that very much the same applies with this kind of stuff to runners, to rugby players, to any sort of team sports player, to if you're a cyclist, genuinely just everyone this applies to. So instantly, and you'll have seen me kind of slag off some of these things on, on Instagram before, um, people get hyper-focused in on stuff like foam rolling, ice baths, cryo chambers, and all these really like fancy versions of like recovery. I think the recovery industry, let's just call it that, the recovery the recovery industry in relation to fitness has a lot of a lot of dogma, a lot of kind of a lot of pseudoscience. I think that's how you say it, pseudoscience. A lot of just stuff that's made to sound really good, but it's not really that good. People completely ignore the biggest fundamentals of recovery being nutrition, rest, um, hydration, sleep, stuff like that. People ignore those things because it's not fancy and it's not got shiny bells hanging off of it. It's, it's just a boring thing that everyone should really be doing. Um, so I'm here to kind of get you focused in on the really important things and cut out some of the bullshit. Um, so hopefully you take something away from this. So as I said, recovery is it actually very simple. That's the first little title of my slideshow, which if you're listening to on podcast version, you cannot see. And it's actually a picture of Old Trafford, which I didn't even realize. Um, I feel I feel wrong. I should probably remove that. Um, and I'm just going to have a dig at Liverpool fans right now. You went to Old Trafford and played the worst team that Man United have probably had in 40 years and you got beat 2-1. So... You can just shut up now if you're a Liverpool fan. Um, no, nah, I'm joking. Keep 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 listening. You could you could um, you could learn a few things. We'll maybe talk about um, uh, salbutamol and inhalers. I think that's possibly something that might be very 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 beneficial for recovery and performance. But we'll let um, Jurgen hide that one. Um, tangent. Yes, that was a tangent. But yes, recovery is it actually very simple? Realistically, if I was to go and give someone three interventions to recover better tomorrow. It would not involve foam rolling. It would not involve ice baths. It would not involve stretching. Um, it would involve none of those things because in reality, the, the fundamentals are, are very simple. We're usually not doing them right. So the three most important components of recovery in my eyes right now are nutrition slash hydration, obviously very important, rest slash time. So we could talk about actual sleep. We could talk about actual like rest itself. Um, and we could talk about the time until the next event. Um, and then preparedness is the third one. And preparedness is quite, it's quite a wide open one. But when I talk about preparedness, I'm talking about um, gym training. I'm talking about overall volume of training that you're doing. I'm talking about how prepared are you for the next training session or for the next game? Because... <clears throat> a lot of us are under training, a lot of us are over training, and we're not prepared for the next session that comes after, um, be that a gym session or be that a, a game or a training session. So let's fire through. 
Nutrition and hydration is something I've spoken a hell of a lot about, and you'll be bored of me speaking about it. Um, but it is essentially the probably the most fundamental thing. So if we talk about player A, he is the player that's absolutely nailing it. And we talk about player B, this is the guy that's legs are sore every single session. He's just absolutely knackered. His recovery is shocking, um, and he keeps getting injured. This is going to be the difference in hydration and nutrition when it comes to these individuals so athlete a he's going to be working to a protein target he's going to be working to around about and i'm not going to give any sort of recommendations in this because as i said i've done this before but he's going to be working to a protein target that suits his body so for me being around about 87 kilograms i'll be working to at least 170 grams of protein per day now that is quite a lot if you've never tried to hit a protein target in your life before <clears throat> excuse me but that what that's going to mean is it's going to mean that you maximize muscle protein synthesis got that word right um, and by doing that that's, that means that your muscle is going to have the full capacity to recover after training to rebuild muscle um, and to build new muscle anything that's been broken down during a training session in a game or a gym session is going to now be able to be built back up now protein has a cap we can't just keep going higher and higher and higher and expecting us to recover better. If you eat 300 grams of protein, there is a limitation. There's a limitation and you, only thing you need to do is you need to go on online protein calculator or calorie calculator and it will tell you exactly how much you should be having. Most of them are, are, are reasonably accurate and they'll give you a decent number. Pardon me. Carbohydrates. Um, when we talk about carbohydrates, we can talk about um, pre-match carbohydrates um post-match carbohydrates and like intra-fueling during a game or during a gym session if we <coughs> sorry this could be an ongoing theme i've got a little bit of a sore throat um if we have an ongoing flow of carbohydrates um we're not going to let the the fuel we're not going to let the fuel gauge go down too low and all the evidence suggests if you are topped up with carbs pre during and post recovery to the net or recovery to getting back to maximum is going to be much quicker. <clears throat> As I said, I'm not going into the specifics of this stuff just now because I've done that on previous podcasts. Overall calories. So if we are having too little, we're not going to be giving our body enough carbs, protein or fats to actually fully recover because we're going to be in a calorie deficit. As an athlete, being in a calorie deficit has to be quite systematic, has to be quite... Um, you need to be getting the numbers right on the right days because if you're in an aggressive calorie deficit after a game on a Saturday or after a midweek game, you're just not going to recover properly. There are days where you can implement that calorie deficit, but there are days when you probably shouldn't be implementing it or you're just not going to recover very well. And hydration, it's quite obvious, but we just need to be drinking enough water. We need to be drinking enough water around game time, around training, um, and just on a general day-to-day -day basis, and you'll have probably heard me speak about electrolytes as well. Um, when we sweat, we don't only lose just water. We don't just lose a bottle of Highland Spring. It doesn't just go in and go out again. We lose certain electrolytes within our body, be it potassium, sodium, magnesium. <clears throat> and by, well, we can get these things through our food, but there are supplements um, that we can basically put in our water. They're starting to taste a little bit better. If anyone's ever tried a Barocca, it's an acquired taste. It 
can make you bulk a little bit because of the saltiness of it. Um, but those are going to basically help you replace um, electrolytes that are lost. So can you tick off those three boxes? First of all, if you're not having sufficient protein, if you're in a major calorie deficit or a major calorie surplus, I mean, if you're in a surplus, you're probably, you'll be putting on weight, maybe weight that you don't want to put on, but you may be recovering better than the guy in the, in the deficit. And then are you simply hydrating? Do you just drink diet Coke all day? Do you just drink coffee all day long and not even touch a bottle of water? I would question that. <coughs> this is going to be really annoying for whoever's listening. You're going to have to listen to me cough all day long. Sleep. So sleep's a really important one. Look, as a quote-unquote nine-to-five athlete, as someone that's working Monday to Friday or someone that's got kids, eight to nine hours of sleep is not realistic. Like you'll see a lot of these things post, you should be getting eight to nine hours of sleep. It doesn't happen. It really does not happen for very few people. Like if you're getting eight to nine hours sleep, then well, you must be, you must not have a job. Um, <laughs> nah, but to be honest, it's, it's pretty rare for people to get that amount of sleep. I think if you can get at least seven you're on to a winner. Like trying to get seven is going to be pretty crucial. And why is sleep important? Well, it's important because when you fall into the deeper stages of sleep or REM sleep, your muscles, your muscle or muscles, will see an increase in blood flow, which brings along oxygen, nutrients, which will help recover and repair the muscles and regenerate cells. And um, it'll also help regenerate the, the CNS, the central nervous system, you'll be able to recuperate that. Your, your fitness will suffer if your CNS is, is not fully recovered through sleep because it's responsible for triggering muscle contractions, things like reaction time, response to pain. And if you're not fully recovering, like you'll have done it before, you'll have had a lack of sleep and you'll wake up the next day and you'll just be like forgetting stuff and just like, like walking into things and going out to your car to work and you like, I forgot that or I've forgotten this. Like, imagine that, but the effects on a football park, you could imagine that that's not going to be very beneficial. If your reaction time and you're forgetting things in your house, leaving, just walking out the door, then what are you going to be doing on a football park? I think it's very simple. Sleep's crucial, especially the night before games. Like if you're not getting a good sleep the night before games and you're away out, again, I would question, um, I would just question your commitment, I suppose. Uh, it depends what, level you're playing at if you're playing pub league then look I'm not, I'm not bashing pub league but you probably more scope for you to kind of be doing that stuff but you're playing juniors or amateurs you're maybe maybe not getting away with that stuff from your manager <clears throat> and again if you're continuously getting a lack of sleep monday through to friday and then on to saturday like you know how that fatigue feels like how does that fatigue feel once you finish work on a friday night and you sit down and you go i am absolutely fucked like sleep Yes, before a game is important, but your overall sleep is even more important because the degenerative effects of lack of sleep over a long period of time, and I'm not just talking about like a week or a month, but if you suffer with a lack of sleep or you're just not getting good sleep for months and years on end, then the health, the negative health effects of that are, are not good. Like I'm not meaning to scare anyone, but they're, they're not great. So if it's something you can tackle right now, I guarantee it will be one of the things that pulls your performance forward like rapid if you can improve your sleep even by like an hour more than you're getting just now then i honestly guarantee like i know for a fact if i was to sleep 
eight or nine hours, I would probably feel much better during the day. There are days where I'm a little bit tired and I could have done with a bit more sleep or I was up a little bit too early. So that's something to consider. And then we go to preparedness. And when we're talking about preparedness for, for training or preparedness for games, I'll basically think about volume. I'll think about overtraining. I'm thinking about what you're kind of doing in between training sessions or in between games and be thinking about the overall time to the next game. So right now, a lot of you guys that are playing junior football or amateur football are probably playing Wednesday, Saturday. Now, if you train on a Monday, you're probably still feeling the legs from Saturday. If you're playing on Wednesday, you're probably not feeling like 1 million percent on Saturday, like as good as you would do if you were only playing Saturdays. So that's kind of due to an overall increase in volume. So there's an increase in volume of the amount that you're training and playing. So that means you're maybe not going to be fully prepared for the next training session or the next game that comes along. So when we think about volume, you've got to think of it as like the overall amount of training that you're now doing across the week. You can do it on a weekly basis. You can do it on a monthly basis. It just depends which way you want to do it. So right now, have a look at your week think about okay i train on a monday i go to the gym on a tuesday i play on a wednesday go to the gym on a thursday go to the gym on a friday i play on a saturday and i rest on a sunday if that's what your week looks like just imagine that's what your week looks like every saturday you're going into this game you're like i am just knackered already like i'm feeling sore in the warm-up um just taking ages to get warmed up and then when i finish the game i wake up on sunday and i'm an absolute tatters like i cannot move then monday comes around and it's too soon i can't train i'm knackered my legs are sore i just don't feel ready that could be one of a million different things let's not be let's not just pretend it's just volume but you may then need to think about reducing your overall volume your lower body volume especially if you're a footballer in the gym for example or you may be needing to think about um, just doing a little bit less at training or just pulling back a little bit or you may need to think about actually now implementing some sort of program to get a little bit fitter so you can deal with that now there's honestly so many different ways that could go and look when we think about volume and when we think about our overall training you've got to think of it as a little graph and you can see the graph in front of me if you are watching this through video format now this is actually talking about the how to build muscle but it's it's accurate in terms of most scenarios it's inaccurate in terms of football as well so say for example we were only doing one training session a week that would be a pretty low stimulus and would that maybe even be enough to get us fitter if we were just doing one session a week maybe it would be but it would you probably wouldn't be fit enough to play two games a week then say for example we were training twice a week we've maybe then got a moderate stimulus which would mean that we would begin to adapt a little bit quicker. We wouldn't be too far away from just the right amount. And then say, for example, we have one game and two training sessions and you're, that's just the sweet spot. That's the optimal stimulus for you to get fitter and to not feel like you're over the edge and you to not feel like you're absolutely knackered all the time. So what you may be finding right now, if you're playing two games a week and you're training twice a week, you may be now finding that you're just over that volume curve. You're just doing just a little bit too much for you to be able to recover. Now, what I've spoke about throughout this, when we think about food, we think about rest, we think about nutrition, we think about hydration. These are things that may be able to combat this and may be able to keep you in that optimal section. But if we are doing all of those things, 
absolutely bang on and you're still feeling like you're overtrained, then that's when it might be volume. Um, so yeah, overtraining is something to be really careful of, making sure that you're not going into every training session feeling sore, feeling tired, not feeling ready to play, feeling under like a seven out of 10 in terms of your readiness to actually play. Something else that you can maybe do, it's, it's probably recommended for a lot of people nowadays, like Premier League footballers and stuff like that will probably be doing it. They'll be doing some sort of active recovery. So say, for example, train Monday, nothing's really happening on a Tuesday, and then you play on a Wednesday. Active recovery. Again, I know we're not full-time athletes, and I know we don't have all the hours in the day to be doing this kind of stuff. But active recovery, maybe going in and doing some sort of mobility session, maybe jumping on the, the bike for 30 minutes at a really low intensity, maybe just doing some sort of light gym session, doing some weights. You get the blood pumping through your body again. And most of the time, that's actually going to now help with recovery because just sitting on your arse all day long and doing absolutely nothing, I can tell you right now, doesn't help with recovery. It doesn't speed up your recovery at all. You may think, oh, I've got to rest. And by resting, that means sit on my arse and do nothing. It's not really the case. Like a light walk, a light bike, a light gym session, something to get the blood flowing is always going to be beneficial for you to recover a little bit quicker. And then, look, you'll have watched Liverpool last season, how many games they played, um, not just Liverpool, anyone that was kind of playing in the Champions League in the Cups. Um, they played a lot of games. Um, and you've heard Jurgen Klopp moan about it all the time. He likes doing that, but talks about playing too many games, we're getting too many injuries. And he had a point. He did. He had a very good point. These players were being asked to train every single day, to play Wednesday, Saturday, then play on Tuesday, and then play again on Friday sometimes. like Sometimes they were playing like literally four games in almost eight, nine days, which is it's pretty ridiculous in consideration that they're like professional footballers. Now, people say, oh, they're professional footballers, you should be able to do it anyway. But the body has a limitation. As I spoke about literally two minutes ago, there is a certain cliff that you can fall off of if you go over that volume too many times. Your body will, your body doesn't lie and your body will tell you. You'll pick up an injury, you'll pick up a niggle, there'll be some sort of um, compensatory effect with one of the muscles or one of the ligaments that'll pull to protect it from getting injured or protect it from getting even more injured than it could have done. So this is what happens. Like the body can, can exceed its, its recoverable volume if you give it too much. And this is where we, we don't have any, any say on when fixtures get played, but we need to be careful with just doing too much, just doing too much. And again, I see it all the time in the gym, like young guys that are playing football, like three, four times a week, and then they're going into the gym five times a week, and then they're going, to, they're doing all this extra stuff alongside it. Now, at that age, you probably can, you have the chance to recover from that more than you ever do in your life. But these guys could get stronger, fitter, faster if they just stopped training so much and just stayed within this this optimal section. Which again, you'll see on the graph if you're actually looking at it, which not a lot of you will be. <clears throat> So, hate to say it, guys, but alcohol um, is another one that definitely does not speed up recovery. It simply doesn't, which is a bit annoying. I could have swore that um, tenants was uh, recovery, a recovery drink, but it's obviously not. 
Now, a couple of pints will not do you any harm. Let's not try and pretend that nobody can have a couple of pints. And I'm not saying you can't have a drink. But what it's important to remember is if you have alcohol after sport, after a game of football, after a gym session, it does not benefit your performance in any sort of way. It actually worsens a lot of aspects of post-recovery and um, post-exercise recovery because it slows down the repair process of um, of muscle damage by inhibiting functions of certain hormones, kind of like, like testosterone. And um, it's obviously a vital one for you to actually recover and rebuild muscle. And um, again, alcohol then has a direct effect on the quality of your sleep. And we spoke about sleep earlier. Those um, recovery functions of sleep are then downregulated. So again, it doesn't help. Like, and I know it's, it's a culture in junior football and I have been part of it for many years now. You win on a Saturday, you lose on a Saturday, you draw on a Saturday, you go and have a pint or two, and then you probably go out. A lot of the time you go out with your mates, you go out with the guys that you play with and you wake up at 10 a.m. the next morning not even knowing where you are because you've just drank so many pints after getting scudded 7-0. No. Um, so it doesn't help. It's just important to know you don't need to do anything with that information, but it could be the reason that you're still feeling absolutely knackered on a Monday. If you go out every single weekend, I beg you to test it out one, one week. Go home, have a high-protein meal, get a good meal in you, get some water in you, go to your bed on a Saturday night, see how you feel on Sunday. I can guarantee you it's much better than if you go out and drink. I almost guarantee it. I mean, you, you know that yourself, but it's, it's almost guaranteed. So stretching is another thing that is massively overplayed when it comes to recovery. <clears throat> we all talk about, oh, I've got this tightness here, I've got this injury, I just need to stretch it, I need to get a massage, I need to go and see the, go and see the physio so I can get this like stretch routine. In reality, again, it's another kind of version of like dogma. How many things do you see online? Here's my amazing stretch routine that got me my leg above my head and allowed me to, I don't know, I'm not even going to say what I was about to say there. Um, but stretching is just massively overplayed. Like static stretching, yes, it can be good, but it usually addresses, what happens with stretching is stretching addresses a weakness that has been built up over time. And then you're trying to correct a weakness with stretching. And all it does is it gives you a very temporary fix. Like it gives you a fix of, I don't know, like a couple of days or something like that. And you literally, to actually get rid of these kind of tightnesses, you need to stretch every single day, probably. The, the problem with stretching is <clears throat> that it's not tightness, it's weakness. You're not, you are tight, but you're tight because you're weak. You're not weak because you're tight. Hopefully that makes sense. You're tight because you're weak. You're not weak because you're tight. If you get strong in end ranges of that muscle. So say for example, it was your glute that was tight. If you build up a bit of strength in those glutes or you build up a bit of kind of loaded, say for example, your hips are really tight or something. Can you go lateral lunges with a little bit of load? I guarantee you that that tightness will, will go away. If you do lateral lunges or Cossack squats, or to be fair, you can work your legs in loads of different ways and loads of different planes of motion. But if you get strong lower body and your glutes, your hamstrings, your calves, your quads, just overall, 
I guarantee you will notice a lot of this tightness goes away because the reason you get tight on a football park in certain areas is because that muscle does not have the capacity to deal with the load that you're putting it under through the movements of football. So jumping, changing direction, turning, you get tight the next day because that muscle has been overloaded on the football park because it's not strong enough to deal with the load over 90 minutes. Therefore, you get tight, you go, oh, shit, I need to stretch. And then you stretch it and you still have that same problem over and over and over again. So moral of the story is get strong, don't stretch. If you have a tightness, please can you go and get strong um, rather than just doing a stretching routine. Honestly, it's it's just like it's just like sticking a plaster on an open wound. Like it's it's going to maybe cover it for a little bit, but it's just going to be opened up again. You're going to have the same problems because you're not you've not gotten stronger in that that range of motion. So hopefully that can prompt you to do something. That's probably one of the main things I want you to take away from this is actually like a lot of the time you're getting sore and you're getting tightness because you're actually just weak. I know that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, but I get it all the time. Like last season, I had really loads of problems with my calves. And then I looked at the program that I'd been doing for the past 12, 12 weeks, well, more than 12 weeks, probably double that. And I was like, oh, I've not been doing any work on my calves. That's probably why they're getting tight because they were weaker than everything else in my body. And look, this is not like a, oh, look at me kind of, excuse me, this is not like a look at me, I don't get injured or anything like that. But literally, like I've strength trained since I was like 15 and touch wood, touch wood, I have had next to no long-term injuries. That is very much anecdotal. I could be, I could be lucky. I could be just, it could literally be by chance, but I, shit you not, I have had next to no like soft tissue injuries. I have had no ligaments. I have had no sprains and strains. Any injury that I've had has been because someone has absolutely smashed me or there's been an impact injury with some sort of like hit. I've never had an injury just from like overuse or I've never had an injury from like pulling something. Um, I don't think that's just by chance. I think that is because of how long I've strength trained for. Um, so make of that what you will. The best players are the players that can be on the pitch every single week, unless you're me and you can't kick your own arse. <clears throat> Kind of just another dig at this point as well. Like people that need the massage table, people that need the massage gun every single session, same point. Like you're going to be continuing to visit the physio for the next 10 years of your career if you don't get strong. And this is the problem, and I'm not having a dig at physios here. I am, I'm, I'm really not. But physios need to be need to know more about strength training. Some of them honestly do. I am not slagging anyone off. I'm not calling out anyone here. Um, it is just a case of, I think people hold back on advising people to strength train when they're tight, especially football players. I've played in many different football teams and I very rarely heard the advice, go in the gym and get strong. Why is that advice not getting plastered out more? I don't know. Um, it's, it's more like, go and foam roll, do this stretch, come back in six weeks and we'll give you acupuncture. It's like, meh, is that a short-term fix? Yeah, it probably is. Um, but I'll have all physios unfollowing me after this one. Um, so main considerations for recovery. What can you actually do about this right now? What can you do to make sure you recover better? If you're listening to this and you get injured, 
quite often you get things like groins, calves, hamstrings, glutes that are either tight or you pull them or you're just feeling like you take an age to warm up or you're feeling like you're taking like a couple of days to really feel human again after a game of football or after a heavy training session. These are the things that I would implement from the start. Go and find out your protein target. Go and find out your maintenance calories. Start working to that for the next couple of weeks. Sleep seven hours if you can. That's going to be ideal. Have a look at your training over the week. Think about how many training sessions am I actually doing. If you're training twice a week, you're playing a game or two, and you're in the gym five times, I would argue that's probably going to be, I mean, it's very individual to the person, but I'd argue that's probably going to be way too much. Pick up weaknesses. Like, what do you keep getting injured with? What are the things that keep getting injured time and time again? What are the things you need to keep going to see the physio about? Pick out that thing and work on trying to find out a solution to get to get stronger in that kind of range of motion or to get stronger with that particular muscle or around those muscles. Simple one, 2.5 liters of water a day. Just, just do it. It's so basic. Are you constantly on the treatment table? If you are, and it's not like a long-term injury, you just keep picking up injuries. Again, there could be an issue there. How prepared are you for games? Like going into a game, every single game, every single Saturday, like how do you actually feel out of 10? Do you feel above a 7 out of 10? Do you feel a 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10? If it's, a seven under, if it's under a 7 out of 10, I would seriously want to do something about that. And post-match meals. Get yourself a solid meal in after you finish the game, before you go out and drink, or make sure you're getting some sort of nutritional value after a game to help that post-match recovery because games come around thick and fast, training comes around thick and fast. You want to be prepared for that Monday. So why shoot yourself in the foot by finishing the game on the Saturday, eating next to nothing and going straight out on the bevy? Still go out on the bevy, but just make sure you get a decent meal and a decent amount of water and your body will thank you for it on the Monday. I promise you. So the icing on the cake. What is the icing on the cake? Oh, it's, that's the reason I put a picture of ice in here. Ice baths. Do we really want to be using them after the gym, after we've done strength sessions, after we've done a hypertrophy session or a muscle building session? Probably not, because the goal is to actually get the muscle to break down and to adapt by making the muscle cold and by going through this, any sort of ice therapy, you actually offset the inflammation. So the inflammation of the muscle is a direct response to the breakdown of the muscle. It is the first step in the recovery. So if we're looking to build muscle, if we're looking to create adaptation from the gym, this is not a good idea. Don't do ice baths. However, this is maybe something my stance has changed on a little bit. If the intention of the ice bath is to make sure that you're prepared very quickly for the next game um, or you want to be feeling generally good for, say, for example, for a game on a Monday or a game on a Tuesday, then that's maybe a good idea. Then maybe having an ice bath can be something that could be useful. But I would always argue with ice baths that people that are doing them tend to be the people that aren't doing any of the other stuff. They aren't doing the strength training. They aren't doing the protein out doing the nutrition the hydration and they think oh i'll be okay if i do I get an ice bath a lot of it's placebo as well like a lot of it if you jump in an ice bath you go, ah, i feel class full class when it's just because it's different it's a different kind of shock to your body that you've not done for a long time probably i don't know many people that do them regularly um 
but I know there's professional footballers and stuff like that do these, but honestly, I've seen some professional footballers training. All you need to do is look on Sergio Ramos's Instagram to see why you can be making like over a quarter of a million a week and still be like an absolute donkey in a gym. Um, so don't take too much away from that, but it's again, nice on the cake. Foam rolling, foam rolling, all that's basically doing is increasing your range of motion. It will not speed up your recovery. It will speed up, it will give you a sensation of feeling freer, feeling like you've got more range of motion. And if you enjoy that, and if that feels good for you, then yeah, go ahead. But in terms of actually speeding up your time for recovery, it does not do that. That's a misconception. Loads of other things, massage guns, pretty much the same. Yeah, they can probably draw blood into certain areas by the actual massage itself. Um, again, probably more so increasing the sensation of feeling looser and feeling good. But again, will it actually speed up your time to recovery? No, it won't. It will give you a feeling of feeling better, but you will not perform better on a football park two days later by massaging yourself, if, if you get what I mean, massaging yourself or getting a massage or using a massage gun. There's plenty of other things out there. There's like <clears throat> loads of supplements. Um, I'll not dive into supplements just now because I spoke about that plenty of times before. Um, yeah, it's just a case of focusing on the fundamentals first and then introducing some of this extra stuff after. And I am offering anyone that wants one a free PDF on recovery meals. So I've literally got a pre, during, post-match and um, meal guide for anyone that wants to kind of have a look at that so give me a shout if that's something that you're interested in and i will fire it over just need to dm me on instagram and give me a shout on there and i'll be more than happy to send you over that for free and yeah that is us at the end um as usual guys check out our sponsor ksocks they've got loads of different things for athletes um shin guard sleeves they've got running belts they've got just loads of like decent sports club or like just stuff for running stuff for the gym and and stuff some stuff that's a little bit more casual as well and that's essentially the that was the brand that i'm using now for all my all my gear that i'm wearing um for like personal training and for just cutting about and a lot of my clients are wearing it as well so check it out ksox sportswear um on instagram or on the website um, and thank you for sponsoring the podcast, Keaton. I'll catch you guys later.